Hello, queerlings! Before we get into this very special episode, we, uh, we wanted to give you a little background. This episode is our live episode slash panel at TGI Fem Slash, a gal pals convention that we just went down to in Santa Ana, California. You heard us talk a little bit about it the last episode, which premiered the day that we were coming on back up. Um, but fun fact, this convention is where Gretchen and I actually met last year and decided to make this podcast happen. So it was a fantastic time filled with lots of femslashy friends, and if you're into fandom and queer ladies kissing, then you should probably check it out. We're quite fond of it, and it made this happen, so we're pretty grateful. Um, a cool few, uh, a few cool announcements. Another super neat thing that happened at TGI Femslash was the annual live auction. And this time, uh, we offered up a la- at last minute an opportunity to have a guest spot on the show for an episode with a topic of, of a guest's choice. And we want to thank our amazing friends, Morgan and Jonathan, who bid a ridiculous amount of money to hang out and nerd with us. Um, so stay tuned for those later in this year. You'll be uh, hearing those as fun episodes. And uh, we also mention in the recording that you're about to hear the exciting prospect of merch. Um, we do have some things left over from Con. I made a couple of things uh, to bring down things like stickers and magnets and even shirts. Um, and we'll soon have a way for all you lovely people to get some of those things if you so wish to tell the world just how gay history is with cool, fancy, real-life things with this podcast name on it, which, frankly, is mind-boggling and so cool. Um, so as soon as we figure out logistics, we will tell you all how to get Things like that on your bod or your car or wherever you like to stick things that have rainbows on them. So I'm excited. Um, And uh, that's it for any sort of announcements. So without further ado, episode five, Stars of a Bygone Era. Hello and welcome to History is Gay, a podcast that examines the underappreciated and overlooked queer ladies, gents, and gentle NBs that have always been there in the unexplored corners of history, because history has never been as straight as you think. And in this episode, we are live at TGI Fem Slash. Okay, that was really fucking cool. I know. Right? <laughs> we have um, a laugh track. Oh, that's <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so for those of you who are not in this room right now, there are a lot of fucking people in this room right now. We expected like ten. And Which we have really like cool. four times that, or maybe three. I'm bad. This isn't math con. I'm bad at math. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we're here doing um, a panel, which is going to be a live episode, and the theme of that episode is uh, talking about queers in the golden age of Hollywood, aka what Gretchen's title was, was... Stars of a bygone era. <laughs> we like about, puns. We're all about the puns. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, do we so, have any sort of content warnings going into this? Um... 
I don't think I I'm, mean mostly this is just mostly rumor and scandal this is, <laughs> is going to be one of our only episodes where we don't have a lot of confirmed sources it's a lot of like hey did you know Hey, um, so yeah. you know, take take some of it with a grain of salt, and then go home and do your own research. Right. Um, well, some people we're going to be talking about golden age of Hollywood, silver screen back in the day. Some people might think that gays in Hollywood are an invention of Will and Grace and Neil Patrick Harris, but we're here to talk about how we've always been in Hollywood from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we're going to jump, kind of quote unquote. Straight, Straight in. Oh. Um, so this is going to be a short mini episode, about a half hour, and then we're going to open up the, lo- the room to this lovely panel to discuss uh, some other people's favorite queer mos from history. We asked people to come prepared with their stories, and so hopefully we will get a lot of fun. Uh, but we started this out with people coming into the room with a lovely little game. Gretchen, do you want to explain the yes, game? Yes. This game is a game we liked to call Silver Screen Sexploits. <laughs> and um, our lovely, lovely audience were given 10 factoids. And there were 10 pictures of people on the wall. We have Clark Gable, Marlon Brando, uh, Joan Crawford, Crawford, Catherine Hepburn, Raymond Burr, Vincent Price, Marilyn Monroe, Cary Grant, Marlena Dietrich, and Greta Garbo. And they were given 10 facts, and they had to see if they could guess which one was which. So, how did, that, how did that work for everybody? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of guesses, a lot of confused looks around the room. Um, so, yeah, so y'all want to hear the answers? Yes. All right. You want to read the first one? It's pretty good. I'll read good. the first one. All right, so, who was this? Was allegedly, quote, gay for pay and for career advancement, had a string of older clients who paid their bills and helped them get jobs, but cheated on them constantly, had close personal possibly sexual relationships with several openly queer actors. That was Clark Gable. (laughs) Boom. All right. Married five times and had one daughter. Lived with the same-gendered actor for 12 years and then with a different same-gendered actor later in life. Prior to becoming famous, dated a fashion designer of the same gender on and off for nine years. That was Cary Grant. There is actually, uh, we will put this in our show notes, there is actually a um, documentary about uh, Orr Kelly, who is the fashion designer, mm. um, and they met, so before Cary Grant uh, emigrated to the U.S., and there is a documentary about Orr Kelly and his relationship with Cary Grant. All right. Came of age in post-war Berlin, where the LGBT culture thrived and came to the U.S. with a more open view of sexuality. At a premiere of a film, this actor walked on stage with a bunch of violets pinned to their crotch, a symbol of homosexuality in Germany, was married but had several passionate gay affairs, one with another actor on this list. I think this one was probably the easiest. Yeah. Does anybody have a guess before we give it out? Marlene yes, Marlene, Marlene Dietrich. Dietrich. My love. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> that's, that's my wife for the week. <laughs> that's a running gag that, uh, that Lee has a wife for the week. I'm just saying, if anybody wants to draw any fan art. <laughs> We're here for it. For a time in the 1920s, they lived openly with a partner of a different gender. Later, they conducted their relationship with a playwright and poet of the same gender with similar directness and lack of pretense. The poet was a best friend and lived with this actor for 30 years, called their love affairs with same-gendered partners exciting secrets. (laughs) Greta Greta Garbo. Garbo. All right. 25-year relationship with differently gendered acting co-stars was more about a friendship than romance or sex, and their public relationship was likely a publicity stunt by studios, as both of them were gay. Was allegedly set up by known Hollywood pimp, quote-unquote, Scotty Bowers, with 
allegedly over 150 sexual partners of the same gender, had a particular attraction for one partner whom they saw off and on for 49 years. Catherine Hepburn. And Scotty, uh, incidentally, Scotty Bowers is actually the source of a lot of this information. His, like, expose book is where a lot of these factoids come from, though many of them have been confirmed by other sources. Yeah. But yeah, he's the main, he's the main source. A quintessential sex symbol, this actor had a strong preference for partners of the same gender and is rumored to have had affairs with two of the actors on this list. Claimed one of their partners had a gigantic orgasm and shrieked like a maniac, but then turned spiteful when the actor turned them down after being asked for another round. Guesses? Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. And we have uh, not gotten to that partner yet. No, the one that no, we uh, have not. shrieked like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had multiple affairs with famous actors in Hollywood and once told a French journalist, homosexuality is so much in fashion, it no longer makes news. Like a large number of actors, I too have had homosexual experiences and I am not ashamed. I've never paid much attention to what people think about me. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. This one is my absolute favorite. One lover described, oh, same gendered lover, described sex with them as pleasant, unhurried, gentle. There was what I can only refer to as a kind of refinement about it. It was erotic, tantalizing, fulfilling, high class stuff all the way. <laughs> Vincent Price. <laughs> Which makes so much sense when you, when you, like, if you've seen a Vincent Price movie, you're like, he would be. Okay, but is Vincent Price a pillow princess is the real question. Oh, he might be was married to an opposite gender partner once, but it only lasted a couple of months, met a same gender actor on the set of an iconic TV show in 1960, and they remained together until 1993, when, one famous, uh, when our famous queer actor died. The fellow actor is often named as a, quote, business partner, and still owns and operates the joint vineyard they founded together in Sonoma. Raymond Burr. Burr. I was not told that Raymond Burr was queer when I watched Perry Mason growing up. But that was my favorite show when I was sick and home from school. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, so our final one. Uh, known for having an insatiable appetite for sex with men and women, who may even have slept their way into becoming a screen legend, also linked with another actor on this list. This is the partner that screams like a maniac with Marilyn Monroe, and it is Joan Crawford. <laughs> Mommy dearest, indeed. Uh. <laughs> is, Al is Alice in the room? <laughs> oh, oh man so that that was the that was the beginning yes yeah well one thing that came up multiple times that in these actors is many of them had marriages or even were linked by studios together and that brings us to our word of the week one day we'll have theme music for that <laughs> lee would you like to talk about our word of the week yeah uh, so the word of the week that we're talking about, and if you all in this room have not listened to the podcast, on every episode we feature a different piece of language from our history. Today's is a phrase called lavender marriages. Um, so lavender marriages were, and there were, there were several of them in here, uh, they were marriages of convenience, usually studio arranged, that were, you take a male celebrity and you take a female celebrity and they both might be pretty gay and you smush them together and you make a marriage that looks nice and proper and heterosexual for everybody to gobble up. Um, so it usually was, you know, everybody hopefully in this room is familiar with the concept of beards. 
Um, this was a very standard practice in Hollywood. Yeah, basically Hollywood endorsed bearding for, for the getting of more monies because heaven forbid, heaven forbid that society <clears throat> find out that there were so many non-straight people in Hollywood. So, oh, oh no, oh no, oh, let's no. pretend that, they're, that they love each other sexually and romantically and get them married. Well, and a lot of them, they were really good friends. They would just be really good friends with their partner in the lavender marriage and then go have sex with other people and go have romantic relationships with other people and mm-hmm. pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we briefly mentioned, just like for a note on sources and also like if y'all want to read a little bit more about this, uh, most of the information that we get from here comes from a book by a guy named Scotty Bowers, who was a former Marine um, and a Hollywood pimp from the 40s to the 80s. Um, and the book that he wrote is called Full Service, My Adventures in Hollywood and the Secret Sex Lives of the Stars. Um, so there's a whole bunch more that he goes into, but if y'all want to Check read that. more. Yep. Yeah. And we will have a full list of that and several other resources, again, on our show notes page, on our website, um, so you can access that. So, yeah. Why do we think they're gay, Lee? I mean, do we need, do we really need to explain that? I mean, we don't need to explain a lot of them. (laughs) Um, I mean, the the game is like the majority of the content that we got into, but we have a little bit, you know, more kind of context for some of these folks. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Marlon Brando and did we have James Dean? We up don't there? have, we do James, not have Dean James Dean up there. Um, so Marlon Brando and James Dean were actually uh, rumored to be involved pretty heavily uh, in kinky BDSM sex together. Woo! Um, apparently Brando was the dom and Dean was the sub. And also, y'all might have just recently seen an article that came out that uh, Marlon Brando also had a, a thing going with Richard Pryor. So which is go. which that was confirmed by by both was, Brando was and the, Pryor's was Pryor's was partner? partners. Yeah, yeah. Pryor's yeah. partner. So that is actually confirmed by people who would have known. So yeah, Marilyn Monroe and Joan Crawford and Barbara Stanwyck and Marlena Dietrich. These people were all sleeping <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. Um and Mar- Marilyn Monroe actually began to see a psychiatrist named Dr. Ralph Greenson towards the end of her life, and it was in that Um, transcript of that meeting with her psychiatrist that she told the story of oh yes Crawford we went to Joan's bedroom Crawford had a gigantic orgasm and shrieked like a maniac next time I saw Crawford she wanted another round after I turned her down she became spiteful Mm -hmm. so that is straight from the well (laughs) straight um (laughs) straight from the horse's mouth in that Mm -hmm. case that Marilyn Monroe owns up to that oh yeah uh, we also have, we, we didn't feature her on here, but we have Barbara Stanwyck. Um, and I don't know if any of y'all have heard of her referred to as Hollywood's greatest closeted lesbian. Um, she was in two different lavender marriages. She was rumored to hook up with Marlena Dietrich, our friend Joan Crawford again, um, and Tallulah Bankhead. And she ended up, I love this, she ended up living with her publicist, Helen Ferguson, for 30 years. Um, <laughs> She also, uh, a fellow actor called um, Clifton Webb said that she was his favorite Hollywood lesbian. Yeah. Yes. The favorite. And that uh, her second husband actually allegedly told a fellow actor that she was a lesbian and that they didn't share a bed. So, So, yeah, yeah, they didn't even sleep in the same room together. Yeah. Because she was a big old lesbian. Big old homo. Big old, yep, yep. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about Joan Crawford? Yeah, Joan Crawford. Um, On EJ, so EJ Flemings. Um, he is a famous Hollywood... No, E.J. Fleming's wrote a book on Mannix, 
who Mannix was a famous Hollywood fixer. Um, so he's someone that you know studios would go to and be like, we have a problem, uh, please make it go away. So E.J. Fleming's book alleges that Mannix um, got MGM to pay $100,000 to stop the release of a lesbian porn film starring Joan Crawford. <laughs> so somewhere in the world, this probably exists. And somebody in the world needs to pay $200,000 to purchase it. Yes, because we it deserve that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then, uh, and then we've got, you know, just a tiny little tidbit about, uh, Tallulah Bankhead, who described herself as ambisextrous. I just had to, that's all I've got. Like, I just, I like that term. Um, and then we have Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, Catherine Hepburn. In Bowers' book, Full Service, he recalls that Hepburn said, I know you're about your reputa reputation, Scotty. When you get a chance, do you think you can find a nice, young, dark-haired girl for me? Someone that's not too heavily made up. So she had a type. Yeah. Definitely had a type. Catherine Hepburn is into chapstick lesbians. <laughs> That's canon. You're, you heard, it's canon. You heard. <laughs> confirmed. confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. And that brings us to the part of our show we like to call How, How Gay Were They? <laughs> and, uh, and this time we're going to... What do, you, what do you want to start it off with? Uh, we we? Yeah, we usually give our personal ratings, but we want to hear from you guys. What are your guys' ratings on so these? It's on a scale from 0 to 10. Uh, often we ditch that scale because right. things are too gay. Right. And on, on, on the episode that hasn't yet been released, we were both just like, fuck it, like 10's not enough. This is, I mean. We need a new scale. We need, yeah. <laughs> this is like 20 out of 10. So, yeah. yeah. Um, God. I mean. I heard about Joan Crawford like the first time that I, I first started looking into these things, and uh, she was all over the place. So I'm gonna say she's she's a full on ten out of ten. Um, and Gretchen has abandoned me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, microphones. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pass these around. So if we could get our lovely our lovely microphone passers. Hold for tech. Hold, Hold for, for tech. tech. One of the microphone cords is tangled. Are you saying that some of our equipment is refusing to be straight? I am saying that. <laughs> Everything in this room is just so gay. <laughs> Not even the tech is straight. Nope. Nope. Um, do you have any any other ratings, or we just want to launch into everybody else? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Raymond Burr. Um, I give him an, an 11 out of 10 because I mean he fell in love with a guy and lived with him for like 60 years and they started a winery together. And um, I also petitioned that business partner become the new gal pals for men. <laughs> I, like, thought, I thought I thought we had uh, Brosby and Moe's. Yeah, yeah, Brosby and just Brosby and Moe's. Bros Brosby and Moe's. But yeah, and business partners and business partners. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, uh, Barbara Stanwyck. I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a twelve. Twelve. You don't get called Hollywood's Hollywood's favorite lesbian without <laughs> without without something behind that. With without something behind that. Plus how she looked in leather. Plus how she looked in leather. Yes. Snaps for that. Snaps. Um. Uh. Mar Marlena Dietrich. Okay. Like wearing Who? like violets Who? on your violets on your crotch to just like tell the whole world like. Look at look at my big old gay gayness. Everything. Gay everything. Yeah. 
Um, like, she's just so extra, man. Yeah. Well, and she, like, if if none of you have, have ever seen anything with Marlene Dietrich in it, um, she is this wonderful epitome of androgyny and androgynous performance. Um, and she's consistently, like, outfitted in tailored menswear. Um, like we mentioned in the game, she actually, you know, she emigrated from Germany and will end up doing a podcast. But in the, uh, like, 19, 19-teens, um, there was a huge explosion of, of exploration of queerness in clubs, in uh, academia. There was a lot of uh, research into sexuality and gender identity that we unfortunately lost um, during World War II because of the Nazis. Fuck um, the Nazis. Fuck the Nazis. Punch every Just Nazi. say it on this podcast multiple times. Fuck the Nazis. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I love Marlena Dietrich and y'all should watch a bunch of stuff with her we will give links out um and and one thing i will say if a lot of these people seem very white um i mean they all are pretty much <laughs> um one of the, one of i mean one of the main reasons is because hollywood racism we do not have a lot of actors of this time um however uh if you this will be coming out after our previous mm-hmm. one that we recorded um and you guys may not know this but we recorded a podcast just this last weekend that was about the uh, Harlem Renaissance and uh, yeah. uh, queer, queer women of color queer. blues singers. And yeah. uh, let us tell you, Ooh, boy, that's the one that broke the scale because, <laughs> my God. Yeah, and even like running in these circles a little bit, be- I mean, this is like mostly fo- focused, you know, 1940s, 1950s. But if you want some fun, look into like Josephine Baker. Yep. And really, the only reason we have, I think, you, one could make the argument, and I think it would be, you have a very strong case to say that these actors that we have here were really only able to live the way that they did because of what happened in the Harlem Renaissance, where mm-hmm. you have this ability to like live, like live more, at least openly, in a non-mainstream part of society mm. as queer. And that really paved the way, I think, for... Hollywood to be like, oh, right, yeah, we can just be queer too, I guess, um, as long as we have, you know, studio execs who will hide it for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 So. What do, what do y'all think? We're going we're gonna to go down. And you don't have to stay within this time period. You can talk about anybody you want. Uh, there's a lot of history, a lot of global history. If you have a favorite, if you have a favorite queer. I know I got, I got a couple I can pull out of my we back have a, pocket. We got a whole list. Yeah, we do. It's right here. Right, exactly. It's on our computer. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna open up the discussion. Um, that kind of concludes the we talk at you for thirty minutes. <laughs> Does anybody have anything? No one did their homework. Ah, damn. Yes. Okay, I'll give you the obvious one of Rock Hudson. Ooh, yes. Tell us. Tell us more. Do you know anything? I know that Rock Hudson came out to his, I think it was his manager, who panicked, ran out, grabbed the secretary, and said, you're getting married to this woman right now. Oh. <laughs> Here, you want to bring it bring it over? Oh, Sorry, all right. Yeah, they're, we're, we're a little low tech. Hold for tech. Hold for tech. Hold for tech. One that makes me really sad is uh, I've heard that Joan Plowright, who married uh, Laurence Olivier after his uh, marriage to Vivian Leaf ended, uh, is just gets rabid about no, he wasn't gay, he wasn't gay, he wasn't gay, mm-hmm. and it's just really sad to hear that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Come talk. Come talk. 
Like you shout out my boy Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. Because yeah. actually, if you look at the Wikipedia article, he gets a ton of flack for saying like his uh, sexuality was spec, uh, spec, spec, speculation. Is it not on? Is it on now? It is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, according to the straight guys, his sexuality is speculated upon, but according to Leo himself, in his own fucking notebooks, he went to the bathhouses every Sunday just to look at the dudes. I mean, I mean that's a little pervy. I'm not going to deny that, but at the same time, like, you know, there was a joke on Tumblr about like writing down specifically and like explicitly, I'm a lesbian who likes women, you know, and appreciates girls, and like in 200 years, you know, this is a symbol of feminine friendship. And just like, yeah, so my boy Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, right. Also, Michelangelo, because have you seen that guy try and sculpt ladies' boobs? It's like, like he cut an apple in half. It's like, seriously, it's like, it yeah, it's like he just, like, like he drew, he, like, modeled pecs, like a man's, like, pectorals, and then was like, I guess I need some titties. Um, how does one draw the things? And then just, like, stuck a couple of, like, like literally, like, orbs. Like, glistening like, orbs. Glistening uh, orbs. On David's? Yeah. By contrast, did you see how he, you know, sculpted the genitals of the Davids? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Renaissance was also the the European Renaissance was also very gay. Turns out, everyone, everything in history was pretty was gay. Was pretty gay. <laughs> yeah. So I have a Marlene Dietrich story. Ooh, tell us the Marlene yeah. Dietrich story. Um, so when she filmed Morocco in the in 1930. There's like, it's pretty infamous, but the scene where she is in the tailored men's suit and she walks up and she kisses the woman and then throws the rose. Apparently, originally the rose throwing wasn't part of the whole gig, but she knew that they would cut, because in the 1930s even, this is just like probably right as the Hayes Code and stuff was, was becoming popular. Um, she knew that there was the potential that it could be cut and so she was like, if I do something specific that can't be cut from the film because it would make no sense continuity-wise, then I can kiss this lady. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so she did. So the rose throwing wasn't originally part of it. Nice. I approve of that. Yeah. Does, um, when Morgan mentioned the Hayes Code, is there anybody in this room who doesn't know what that is? Because it was actually part of, we originally were going to, kind of included in this discussion, but we didn't want to monopolize too much time. But Morgan, if you want to talk about it. I'm happy to talk about the Hayes Code. Yes. I mean, not really happy because it's garbage. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the Hayes Code is a set of parameters put forth in kind of the early 1900s. Once film becomes really popular, of course, people are like, we have to make sure this fits a very specific parameter of what we want people to see. Um, and part of that was cutting out a lot of quote-unquote immoral stuff, which of course included queerness. And so um, Hayes Code lasted for a pretty long time. I don't want to inaccurately give when it was, but it was post the 50s, I think. Is that the origin of the barrier gaze trope? Was it was to fit those guidelines, would you say? Uh, yeah, because there was a completely separate set of guidelines. Hayes Code would have been for film, but there was a, a set of guidelines created for television mm -hmm. in the 50s, late 50s, early 60s, I believe, when, again, TV was becoming popular because people didn't really have television sets on a massive scale until the 50s. Um, 
but yeah, so there was a separate set of codes created for television, which were modeled after the Hayes Codes, which, yeah, th there wasn't explicitly no homosexual activity or whatever, but uh, it was no immoral activity. So yeah, some of the first queer characters that you see on television are purposefully negatively portrayed because um, of the codes that that existed. Yeah, and that's how we get a lot of you know queer co queer coding. We talk about queer coding villains um, because that was really the only way you could get someone of a sexual minority on the screen. There were those codes that specifically dictated the ways that we needed to be represented. And it even goes back further um, further than TV and film in that a lot of the, those, you know, you've all seen those covers of those like crazy lesbian pulp fiction novels, right? Like, she seduced me into her bed and then, you know, all of these kind of things. It, 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 it has a lot of origins in literature, quote unquote literature, um, in literature as well. So, so what I'm getting from this is we eventually need to have Morgan on our podcast yes. Yes. to talk with us about all of this. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yes. 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 Woo! Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anybody else have? Yeah. Jamie. Behind. So I'm a huge science nerd. So I wanted to do a, a physician, actually. Yes. Uh, this is Sarah Josephine Baker. She was a physician in New York City in like the 1910s, 1920s. Um, and she was a very out lesbian in her time period, which is awesome. Uh, apparently she wore like tailored suits and like was very much uh, dressing like a man in a man dominated field, which you know physicians still are mostly a male dominated field. So she was uh, way ahead of her time. Um, but she, uh, the really cool thing about her is she was known for tracking down the like index case for typhoid Mary. So she actually found that patient twice because they lost her or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I, she's really awesome. She also was huge in like helping uh, immigrants in New York prevent uh, getting illnesses like preventative medicine and public health. Um, so she was really like active in, you know, the kind of communities that were being underserved by public health at the time. So she's fucking awesome, basically. Awesome. Sweet. Woo! Jonathan, back. Not to monopolize, Isaac Newton. Yes. Uh, another guy who was straight washed by history, supposedly died a virgin, nah son. He had a live-in boyfriend that he took care of, you know, straight sugar daddy nonsense, for like 30 odd years. <coughs> while he was figuring out gravity and orbits and shit. So I'm just saying, gay is good for science. Speaking of, Isa speaking of Isaac Newton, uh, if, if y'all haven't listened to uh, our episodes before, you should listen to our second episode, Cloistered Queers, uh, where he is a little bit featured in that we have a really, really wonderful lady uh, from the 17th century who is a Mexican nun uh, named Sor Juana de, uh, Inez de la Cruz, who apparently just like, chatted up Isaac Newton on Sundays, just decided to like sit in her, sit in her, her nun do, salon you know. and have physics conversations with Newton. Hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah. um, a personal favorite of mine uh, is the poet Edna St. Vincent Millay. Uh, she actually spent her childhood identifying as a boy going by Vincent. Uh, she was openly bisexual throughout her you know, adolescence and adulthood. And by the time she got married to a man, 
Uh, they had an open marriage, and she said that they lived like two bachelors. <laughs> so I have to make sure I got the names right, but one of my favorite stories is the origin of the phrase, the passion of the cut sleeve. I don't know if anyone's yes. familiar with that, but it's um, about Emperor Ai. It was Emperor of China during the Han Dynasty. Uh, he reigned from 7 to 1 BC, um, but he was uh, had a well-known uh, partner. His name, I'm probably going to butcher this, but Dong Jian. Dong Shan. So the origin of the phrase is you know, one afternoon they were taking a nap together, and the emperor had to get up suddenly. To, he was called to a meeting or something, and his lover was asleep on his robe. And so rather than disturb him and wake him up, he cut off the sleeve of his, of his robe Aww. before he got up. So Aww. I just thought that was really adorable. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, we did our third. Our third podcast is all about the homosexual tradition in ancient China. All about that. There's like that's a wonderful story. We love it. There are also like so many more. Yeah, that's like a tiny piece. Like if, if that story interests you, uh, I, I recommend that you listen to that episode and then also read a book by uh, Brett Hinch called Passions of the Cut Sleeve. But that is a tiny, tiny sliver of the tradition in Imperial China that started even before then and went up until the 1900s when you had the influence of, of basically 3,000 years. Yeah, 3,000 years, years of gay. Of gay. <laughs> Which is the title of my forthcoming forthcoming biography? Yeah, three thousand three thousand years of gay. This is why. This is why you need is, to be on our podcast, this Morgan. Is, this is why we drink together, Morgan. I was just going to point out that uh, I was I heard the story of the, the cut sleeve uh, in I don't know history class or something where he didn't want to disturb his little dog. What? This is why he did it. That's that's how it was told to me. All right, let's talk about how we've been erased from history, yeah. folks. I was originally told his, his little dust sleeve dog, he didn't want to disturb, but it was so cute. Lies. And then I heard the other version. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, partly, I mean, we can we can kind of launch into to a little aside here. You know, part of the reason why we started this podcast is... The fact you know, there's a lot of media out there right now that is doing really great work to highlight the work that and the foundations that have been laid by queer pioneers fighting for our civil rights and a lot of the discussion about you know queer history if we get it at all anywhere in school focuses on a very specific time period and it's very recent time period mm -hmm. and it's upsetting and unfortunate that we have been erased from history and not at all by being forgotten or accidentally but often very deliberately and systemically um in that like our records have physically been destroyed right or yeah. even or even just as you were as you were just saying the, the telling of stories in a way that um it totally erases the queer context from them um <laughs> yeah so that was part of what we wanted to do um, and especially in, in the podcast we did on the male homosexual tradition in China, when we realized, like, they have 3,000 years of history. And, like, 
how amazing would it be if we as a queer community could situate ourselves in history and say, yeah, yeah, we've got like 10,000 years of history because we've literally always been around. We're not new. We're not like some invention of like industrialization or, you know, whatever <laughs> bullshit people say. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all it's cool to be gay now. That's why all the people are gay. No, we've always been here. It's just now we have more space to actually talk yeah. about our experience. Or even talking about like our language that we use. There's so much discourse right now around what language and what words we use. And I think that a lot of problems that come from that and why people get so heated is that we don't know our own history. There are so many people talking about how queer is a slur, but also there are a lot of people who don't necessarily know the history of that word and that, yes, it was a slur and we fought tooth and nail to reclaim it. Same with any other word has ever been used to describe our community. Um, and that can be solved by having comprehensive access to our own history and not just from folks in our community. It needs to right. be on a systemic curriculum level. Mm -hmm. Yep. I actually just kind of had a, a revelation sitting there thinking, um, Richard the Lionheart, the King of England, yes! uh, was... And in, not until 1948, you know, it was assumed that he was straight. And then some historian in like 1948 was like, well, you know, we don't have any connection of him with women, so he must have been gay. And I was sitting there going, and there are no other options? Uh, maybe he just didn't like to have sex. Right. You know, maybe, uh, and I'm just sitting here going, that, that it, it becomes once again the binary. You have to be gay or straight. And, um, I just was sitting there going uh, that it's it the asexuals have been been erased from history as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of nuance um, to think about too because in in this very specific and very recent invention of Western society of like queerness as a personal identity is very new is very, very new. And so I urge you all to go out and read a bunch of different sources, a bunch of different global sources, because what we may necessarily think of as romantic relationships, as sexual relationships that you know we, we resonate with are things that were not even necessarily considered a part of an identity. We talked in our, in our um, China episode how, you know, quote-unquote bisexuality would be more useful a term to to um to talk about but there are different things with um ritualization with um with certain uh rites life of passage and obligations to kinship life stages life stages yeah and even as you move through history, the definitions of like friendship versus romance versus romantic friendships. How do we define these things? And how do we define these things in a society that really only kind of recently started shifting the goalposts and what, what we decide to claim as an identity rather than as like set of behaviors or something that is just integral to the way that a society works right because there's a difference between talking about practice versus you know patterns of behavior versus um like we do, like we talk about in, in in western societies as a matter of like identity I, there's an inherent level of attraction i'm inherently this way it's very essentialist it's talking about you know me as a person in its essence and that's not a bad way to talk about things it's just we want 
people to be aware that that is a fairly modern concept mm -hmm. and that these ancient cultures or diverse cultures around the world that we're talking about have very different ways of framing that conversation. Um, and they're not bad, they're just different. And that's part of understanding our history is that we, we as a community, people like us have always existed. They just haven't always defined themselves the way we would define ourselves. But they still belong as a part of our community. And it's important to understand like how different people understand themselves. Um, just the way we want to make space for people to be able to label themselves the way they want. We want cultures and histories to be able to label themselves with their own language. That we, mm. I mean, we have to use shorthand because we... It would, I mean, we'd have like four hour long podcasts um, yeah. if we didn't, which I mean, maybe people would be into. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Ex just expanding vocabulary, expanding our, our, expanding our framework. Right. And I mean, we do this for, for you all. Like we're just a couple of, you know, gay nerds. We want to see ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, just like we, just like we all want to see ourselves represented in media, we want to see ourselves represented where we have always been. Right. Right. So, because uh, what is history other than another story? And the stories that we tell about ourselves, not just in media, but the stories we tell tell ourselves about where we come from, our place in history, our, our situatedness in time, that is just as important as the stories we tell about fictional characters. Because these are characters, these are not characters, these are people who are real and they can help us understand ourselves and our, and our place in history and each other as different members of the community the more we know them. Um, and it's, it's, we can be safe to love ourselves and embrace ourselves and say, you know what? There may be people in our society who hate me the way that I am, but you know what? Like. Ancient China was pretty fucking gay, and like that was cool. So like the problem is not that there's that you know human beings are inherently bigoted. The problem is our society is bigoted because there have been societies in history in which there was more of a space for this. Mm -hmm. So we can you know start tackling the problem as like we just need to fix our society. Like there's there's nothing that did, requires that people hate homosexuality. That's not inherent in society like yeah. there are places for us where we have been accepted and, and embraced and allowed to flourish mm -hmm. and that's something we can be happy about and then motivate us to change what we see in our own society yeah Woo. uh unless anyone's got anything else we're, we're oh was uh cleopatra queer did she have any female lovers please say yes <laughs> You know what? I recently was trying to find some stuff on this because I felt like I had read something at some point about it. Um, I don't have details on it right now, um, but I can guarantee you that we will have an answer soon. One of the next episodes we're going to be going into is talking about Egypt, um, specifically talking about um, like third gender, thir yeah, third gender and 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 uh, you know expansive uh, gender. Uh, experiences in in Egypt and also um, talking about uh, my favorite my favorite gay Egyptian tomb the, the two brothers quote unquote. the brothers <laughs> the brothers who are depicted in wall art in like like very specifically in hieroglyphic art in the husband and wife position pose, pose yeah. in the afterlife so they were literally being given a gay afterlife mm -hmm. and of course a bunch of white British straight 
archaeologists were like, oh, look. No homo. Look at these. Look at these devoted brothers. Oh God. Look at these friends. Kissing on the mouth. Yeah, but they were gay. Yeah. Um. I will say. I will say about Cleopatra though that one one of the things that makes me really sad about her legacy is that so many people focus on she was so beautiful and that's like it. And she was also like an incredibly accomplished. What? Yeah, she was. She was a fucking badass. She was a fucking is what badass. She was. she was an incredibly, <laughs> an incredibly accomplished academic, as well. Um, she was very, very influential uh, with math too. I know this is a math con, but <laughs> for our um, listeners who don't understand, that's an inside joke. Yeah, sorry. Uh, come to TGI Fem Slash next year, yes. and you will be in on the joke. You will understand uh, the math. You will enjoy yourself with lots of to gaze. We have one. We have one more uh, panelist. Another thing that I was remembering was um, William Shakespeare got uh, uh, gayed out of history explicitly when they edited his works, uh, I believe in the Victorian era, because hello, the Victorian era, uh, they changed the pronouns in the sonnets so that all the ones that were about how beautiful and how much, and gee, you you should have some kids because you, you need to have your line go on forever, all got changed to she. Hmm. Yeah, because I think there's a specific line about somebody who's saying he couldn't bear to think of, of you know, William Shakespeare uh, doing such a, you know, being such a horrible uh, 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 pervert. Gross. Gross. Also, like, that dude wrote so many dick and fart jokes. Where were they? <laughs> like, what Shakespeare were they reading? Where that didn't track. Like, or, like, all of the, like, gender-bending, gender-non... Like, the play with gender in so many of his plays. Like, are you, are you reading the same Shakespeare I am? Or, like, people nowadays that just cast Shakespeare as, like, the most boring, straight, white performances. And it's like, you have such a sandbox to play with. Why do I, you feel like you need to do this? I feel, I feel like Shakespeare would be super fun drunk man oh, like yeah. he would be a trip yeah so um thank you all for coming yeah Yay. yeah yeah um so unfortunately we are out of time uh and we let, need to let these folks lovely folks go to dinner so that's it for today's episode um, hey Gretchen, where can all the people here and the, all the people listening find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, when I'm not talking about gay history, I am writing nerdy media analysis and fangirling over uh, Star Wars, Steven Universe, Wynone Earp for thefandamentals.com and my personal website, gnellis.com. Or you can find me on Tumblr at, and Twitter as uh, at gnelliswriter, all one word. And uh, Lee, what about you? Uh, so, I am online on Twitter, usually talking about comics, queer TV, yelling about representation, fighting off Nazis, um, at A Paradox in Flux, um, and then oftentimes I'm usually bugging all of y'all to please write me fic and do fan art and want to talk to everybody Make us fan about art. gay we shit. Had, we, had a, we had lovely fan art for one of our episodes, and it was amazing, and we want more. Really cool. We still need someone to uh, to draw us, uh, what is it, Anne Bonnie, Lizzie Borden. Yeah, Anne Bonnie, so we ship Anne Bonnie and Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Uh, that was something that came out they of our would, first they episode. They would fuck up the world. Uh, and then uh, with our latest episode, um, which if you're listening to this, you will have heard. Um, but for now, y'all, this is new information, but... Um, 
look up Bessie Smith. Or, you know, wait until Monday when you're all driving or flying back to wherever y'all uh, traveled from and listen to our episode and hear about how much Bessie, sh- Bessie Smith fucks shit up. Yep. Uh, History is Gay podcast can be found on Tumblr at History is Gay podcast, Twitter at History is Gay pod, and you can always drop us a line with questions, suggestions, or just to say hi at History is Gay podcast at gmail.com. And if you are enjoying the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast, it helps us get more people to find the show, and we can expand our uh, awesome community. And I don't, we haven't even checked recently. We don't know how many countries we're in yet, but our last count was what? 44. 44? 44 different countries. Which, which, okay. <laughs> okay, like six months ago, we were pretty set that we were like, oh man, okay, this is going to be like us and like five people from Con listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be our friends. Yeah, um, so we're all... We're very pleasantly surprised, and we feel really touched that there are so many people in this room, first of all. Like, y'all came out to just hear us talk about a bunch of homos. I mean, I know that you're all here to talk about a bunch of homos, but um, it feels really special. Yeah. So, thanks. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, here at Con, we have, we have merch available. So that is something that will hopefully be going online soon. Yeah, we, we may end up having, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's y- y'all's job to, to decide whether or not this is going to happen. If we have any merch left, we'll uh, put, it, put it online, we'll find ways to, to get it out to folks. Um, but if you are here at the con, we have a lovely booth. Where you can order, you can order t-shirts, we have t-shirts, we have pins, we have magnets that Lee amazingly got all of this set up, and Beth, who is not in this room at the moment... Um, she runs a, a fantastic shop called Glorious Weirdo, which if y'all like queer fandom fun stuff, uh, we're just going to plug her her shop because yeah, it's really awesome. She made our shirts and they're amazing. Yeah. All right. So, so you can go ahead. That's it for History is Gay. Until next time. Stay queer. Stay curious. Stay curious.